You know the names. Simon, who becomes Peter. Uh, James, John, Andrew. You know these stories. And since childhood, for a lot of us, since childhood, you've read their names in the Bible. And you've, you know what they did. You know what they preached. You know what they taught. What they wrote. You even know how some of them died. But I want you to consider the first people who read Luke's Gospel. I want you to think about the first people who read this Gospel from Luke. These weren't heroes from the pages of their Bibles. These were men who maybe were living legends that they had known their whole lives, or at the very least, they were, the, the, they were recently dead heroes. People who shaped their lives. People who lived within their lifetimes. They knew their names. Uh, they knew their power. They knew their forcefulness. They knew their influence. They shaped their world. They founded their churches. And so as Luke tells these stories through his Gospel, they're already aware of who these men were and of what they became. But Luke's call in writing this is for them to see where they began and, and how they began. They needed to know that at one time, the great Apostle Peter was the fisherman Simon who was weak, who often put his foot in his mouth. Simon Peter who said to Jesus, depart from me, I am a sinful man. They needed to hear these stories. They needed to know that Simon also. That these ordinary men were just like us. And if God could use them, then what could He do with us? We're going to be in Luke 5, verses 1-11 through today. If you grab one of those blue Bibles in front of you, it's page 860. The notes should be available if you're following along on the YouVersion app. Last week we looked at Luke chapter 4, and Jesus was in His hometown preaching to His home congregation, and He announced that He had been called to bring the good news to the poor, to restore sight to the blind, freedom to the oppressed. That chapter concludes with Jesus going out into, into the region and preaching in all the synagogues and healing and, and setting free the captives. And it, it concludes in verses 42-44 through 44, there in Luke chapter 4 where it says, And when it was day, He departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought Him and came to Him, and they would have kept Him from leaving them. But He said to them, I must preach the good news of the Kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And He was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. You hear that? I was sent for this purpose. Here, Hear the focus in those words. I was sent for this purpose. Look at what he's been up against so far. He's been tempted in the wilderness by the devil. He's been rejected in his hometown. But nothing is going to keep him from his purpose. Let's pick up in chapter 5, verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the Word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen, <clears throat> the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. When getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. 
And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Peter, the rock, the one who stood firm and proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter was once Simon, a man who considered himself so sinful that he said, Jesus, get away from me. If you hang out with me, I will ruin everything you're working on. And yet Jesus calls him. Not just calls him to follow, but He calls him to His purpose. And so if Jesus could take a fisherman like Simon and turn him into an apostle like Peter, what could He do with you and me? What could He do with us? How could He use us? And what prevents Him from using us? See, that's where you and I have to start. Because, let's admit it, we've got some great excuses. We have excellent excuses as to why Jesus can't use us why can't why jesus can't use me why he doesn't need to use me why i shouldn't serve why i shouldn't be asked to serve shouldn't be expected to serve but when we encounter jesus he doesn't just call us to follow him to heaven we we realize that right the call to follow jesus is not just a call to follow him to heaven it's a call to follow him on his mission this is my purpose of serving him of serving others of Serving His church. What's holding you back from following Jesus? Chances are, you are holding you back from following Jesus. When Jesus calls you to follow, trust that He's already shown you the way. You know, if we listen to these interactions with Peter, we will hear so much of ourselves in Simon's encounter with Jesus. We will hear every excuse that we give for not serving. So listen closely to Simon because these sound so familiar. <clears throat> you can hear him say what we've always said. Hear him say what we've always felt. You can hear him say like us, I'm not trained. I don't know how to serve. As we look back on, on this story, one, one detail I want to make sure you notice is this is not the first time that Simon has met Jesus. If you go back to chapter 4, verses 38 and 39 there, we read, and he, that is Jesus, arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. So he's been to Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. It's important we remember that. We need to hear that. Because this call that Jesus makes to Simon is not as abrupt as it sounds. It's not simply leave everything and come follow me right now. This call has been part of a relationship that's been 
building, a relationship that's taken time as Jesus prepares Simon to serve Him. We are seldom comfortable the first time someone asks us to serve. The first time someone asks us to do something, we are so uncomfortable. Someone approaches us and asks us, could you help with VBS this year? And we kind of bristle at that. Uh, someone approaches us and says, do you think you could give a communion meditation? And, and we, kind of, we kind of shake in response to that. Could you preach? I won't even start there. Could you teach? Could you, could you teach Sunday school? And the panic hits. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to screw this up really bad. We get what they call the flop sweats. We're just absolutely convinced we're going to flop. I think there's a valuable lesson from Simon's response to Jesus. Valuable for us when we are asked to serve. And valuable for those of us who do the asking. Those of us who ask you to serve. I want you to notice what Jesus first asks Simon to do. Because Jesus' first request is not come follow me, but instead in verse 3, the first thing that that He asked Simon to do, He says, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, He asked him to put out a little from the land, and He sat down and taught the people from the boat. Okay, Quick review. One more time. You can get this one real easy. What was Simon's job? Fisherman. Yeah, fisherman. We know. He's a fisherman. So, uh, Simon is a fisherman. We know that. And Jesus has just asked a fisherman to take him out on a boat. You think a fisherman knew how to do that? Yeah. You think a fisherman was comfortable doing that? Yeah. fisherman would be comfortable doing that. You know, there are plenty of ways to serve in the church that you're probably already comfortable with. There are plenty of things that you could do to serve in the church that you're probably already comfortable and and pretty adept at doing already. You know, when, when we needed someone here a while back to help take care of the heating and cooling system that we have here in the church, someone said, well, why don't we ask David Siefler? Well, that's, that's what David does. He knows how to do that. And he's done a wonderful job of taking care of that for us. When we had to build the new church, someone said, we need a kitchen. Who are we going to get to design a kitchen? Well, who else could we get but Pam Harmon because she designs kitchens. When we needed someone to take care of the books, someone asked Kathy Robinson if she would take care of the books. And Kathy said, I don't know how to teach Sunday school. I don't know how to teach VBS, but I know how to take care of books. And so Kathy volunteered to take care of our books. We've got teachers who teach. We've got cookers who cook. We've got prayers who pray. We've got leaders who lead. Elders who eld. And what we see is it, it, it's not a matter of I'm not trained. I don't know how to do it. But this is exactly what God has been preparing me to do all along. We need to learn to give ourselves time. We need to learn to give each other time also to develop. We need to give each other time to do those things we've been prepared to do before we ask to go on to the next level. Before we ask to step up just a little bit. I think there's something that we got to see. Something that we got to see that happens here. In verse 2, we're told that the fishermen were washing their nets. Why were they washing their nets. Well, verse 5, Simon says, we've been out all night. All night long we fished uh, with these nets and we didn't catch a thing. And so they're washing the nets. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you've had those fishing trips where you didn't catch a thing. 
These particular kinds of nets were called trammel nets. And trammel nets were made to be used at night. Trammel nets were made out of linen. And so, if you were to let down the trammel nets in the daytime, the fish could see them because they're made out of linen and the fish would swim around them. You don't use trammel nets in the daytime. You only use them at night. Now, Simon knows that because that's his job. He knows you don't use trammel nets in the daytime. But how does he respond to Jesus? Verse 5, he says, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing but at Your Word. I will let down the nets. There comes a point when we have to realize there's something bigger than us. There's something bigger than us at work here. Bigger than what we know how to do. Bigger than what we've been trained for our entire lives. Bigger than our capabilities. Even bigger than our comfort zone. You know what that something is? It's called faith. That's faith. And we have a choice to make. Do we stay in our comfort zone? Do we stay doing the things that we've always been comfortable doing and we never step out? Never let God show us what we're capable of doing when we fully trust Him, when we fully trust Him beyond our ability? Do we say, this isn't the way it's supposed to work, but at Your Word, I'll do it. But at Your Word. And we try something we never imagined could be possible. It's so easy for us to just kind of put up a wall that says, I'm not trained. I don't know how to do that. I'm not trained. I don't know how to serve. And yet, Simon's story reminds us that God starts with us where we are and with what we know how to do. But we hear something very familiar in Simon's next statement. We hear ourselves say, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough and you wouldn't want me serving this response isn't about what we don't know how to do it's about what we do know we do know ourselves we know that we are sinful we know we've made mistakes and if you knew what i had done you wouldn't want me to serve in your church god wouldn't want me to serve but you see god already knows what we've done he knows where we failed and he calls us to serve anyway Simon does what Jesus asked. He goes fishing in the daytime using the nets that you're supposed to use at night. And remember what, he, what we read in verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they, began, they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Simon's never seen a haul like this in his life. And remember, Simon is, this is not a hobby for Simon. Simon's not a sport fisherman. This is his job. So this doesn't just mean that he and his buddies are having a fish fry tonight. This doesn't just mean that he's got food on the table. This means he gets, he gets to pay his bills. This means he gets to pay his employees. This means he gets to pay his taxes, which is something we'll look at a little bit later in this chapter. This was Simon's biggest catch and how does he respond verse 8 when simon peter saw it he fell down at jesus's knees saying depart from me for i am a sinful man O lord for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they were taking i don't know if you noticed it or not it's subtle here but this is the first time luke has used the name peter 
in this verse. It's the first time He calls him Simon Peter. Prior to this, he was always Simon. But here, at the moment that he confesses his sinfulness, at the moment when he confesses his unworthiness, he becomes Simon Peter. I think Luke did that on purpose. I think he did that because his readers had grown up hearing about the great Apostle Peter who was so perfect and so godly, and they needed to be reminded that he had to confess his failure. That man, Peter, had to confess his failure at one time. And in fact, as we read the Gospel, there's going to be more failures, aren't there? There's going to be more failures from Peter. But if God could use him, a sinful man, what can He do with me? What can He do with you? I think about my friend Kenny. Kenny was one of the kindest and gentlest men that that you would ever want to meet. And Kenny, at a later point in his life, decided that he needed to be a preacher. Kenny threw himself into the work of preaching and teaching. I mean, not just the work, but the study. Kenny devoured books and he studied and he served. Someone had to tell me about Kenny's former way of life because I couldn't see it. Someone had to tell me that at one time, Kenny... Uh, was was a drinker, that he was out drinking, that he was in bars, that he was in fights. Someone had to tell me about what he did to his wife and the way he treated her in a former way of life. Just the nastiness that was there. I never saw it. I couldn't imagine it. But I think about that and I think if God could turn His heart to serve, what could He do with you and me? What could He do with us? At the end of this chapter, at the end of chapter 5, Jesus says in verse In verse 32, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Simon Peter just said, depart from me, I am a sinful man. And Jesus says, that's perfect. That's exactly what I'm looking for. You tell God you're not what He needs, and He's going to tell you you're exactly what He's looking for. But if we come to grips with that excuse, we come to grips with that reality that, that God has been preparing us all along, that God calls us even in our sin. There's still another wall. There's still another barrier that we put up for ourselves from, to keep ourselves from serving. And, and you know this barrier all too well. It's the barrier that finally admits, I'm afraid. I'm just afraid to serve. And where Simon showed us he wasn't trained, And where Simon Peter confessed that he was not good enough, it's Jesus who has to get at the heart of this one. It's Jesus that hits at the heart and hits Simon just like He hits you and me. Verse 10, Jesus says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Do not be afraid. Afraid. Fear. Charles? Fear. 99 times in the New Testament. 99 times the word fear shows up in the New Testament. We've already heard it several times in the Gospel of Luke. Think back to chapter 1. Chapter 1, when, uh, when the angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah and says, you and your wife Elizabeth are going to have a son. You're to name him John. He's going to be a prophet. What's the first thing the angel has to say to Zechariah? Do not be afraid. Gabriel goes to Mary. And tells her she's going to have a son. That he's going to be the Savior of the world. What's the first thing the angel has to say to Mary? Do not be afraid. 
Chapter 2, the angels appear to the shepherds on the hillside, not only telling them the birth of Jesus, but telling them that you now have to go out and tell other people what's the first thing they have to say. Do not be afraid. At every point where God calls someone to do the extraordinary, the promise comes back, you don't have to be afraid to do this. And yet at every point, when we're called to step out of our comfort zone, when we're called to step out of ourselves, what do we immediately do? We immediately start going through our list of all the things that could go wrong. What if no one likes it? What if no one shows up? What if I do something wrong? What if I say something? I mean, what if I do something so wrong that they take me to the edge of town and try to throw me off a cliff? What what if it's that bad? But what if it isn't? What if it doesn't go wrong? What if people are blessed? What if not only people are blessed, what if they are thankful that someone finally did something? Someone finally took a chance and, and did something. What if you find out it's exactly what God has been preparing you for all along? Think about that. Think about the first night that John and Amy Crane led youth group. John, had prayed, John and Amy had prayed about this. They had, they had, they had worked on this. They, they had planned for this. They had bought a lot of pizza. And that first night that they led youth group, there were six adults, one high school student. <laughs> I would have been terrified. I would have been so terrified. And I would have thought, what on earth did I do wrong? But I was here last Sunday night. There were 17 kids here. 17 young people in this church last Sunday night. They were having a blast. They were learning. They were playing. I tell you, so many of those kids are like sheep without a shepherd. But when Amy speaks up, when Amy speaks up, you you probably think John's the heavy, but he's a pussycat. Amy's the one I'm scared of. Do not be afraid. (laughs) Amy's Amy's the one that they, they listen to both of them, but... But they hear you, and they respect you, and they trust you, and they love you. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching young people. You'll be catching youth. Everything Simon had learned up to that point led him to where Jesus was taking him next. From fisherman to fisher of men. From hothead fisherman to apostle. To preacher to teacher. To shepherd, but first he had to get past his fear. And so I would ask you two questions about your fear. First of all, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Does your fear have a name? Have you given a name to your fear and decided what exactly it is that you're afraid of? And the second question is this what would happen if your fear didn't stop you? What would happen if if your fear, as much as you might feel it, what if you didn't let it stop you? What could you do? What could you accomplish? What could you be if you heard those words, Jesus' words for yourself, do not be afraid? You know, the final scene in this story is completely different from the way it began. In verse 2, what are are these fishermen doing? In verse 2, they're washing their nets. Because they have been out all night and they have not caught a thing. They are frustrated, but they're washing their nets. They're preparing them because the next night, 
they're going to go right back out and they're going to try to do exactly the same thing again. And then you look at the final verse, verse 11. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed Him. Leave the boats. Leave the nets. Let's go. They encountered Jesus. And their very identity changed. And i got to wonder, what's the frustrating thing you did yesterday that didn't work for you, but you're going to get up again tomorrow and you're going to do it again and again and again. And you're going to allow yourself to be identified by what's not working for you. You're going to allow yourself to be identified by what frustrates you, by what doesn't fulfill you. By what's not calling you to something bigger, something greater, something more meaningful, and not calling you to who God has always been preparing you to be. And so I want to challenge you today. I want to ask you to try something. I want to ask you to try this soon. You'll know when the time comes. You'll know when it's time to do this. The next time someone asks you to serve, the next time someone asks you to do something you've never done before and you feel that fear rising up in the pit of your stomach or you feel completely unprepared or you feel that old familiar feeling that says if they only knew who I was, if they only knew what I've done, they wouldn't ask me to do this. When you feel this, next time, instead of saying no, Say yes. Instead of saying no, say yes. Just once. Just once. Say yes. Or, or maybe not even yes. Maybe what you say is yes if you'll show me how. I'll do this, but, but you've got to show me. Yes, if, if you'll help me. Uh, yes, if you'll just, just show me what you need done. And maybe you say this instead. Maybe you say yes. And here's something else I think I could do. Here's something else I, I think I could do. Do. Do not be afraid. Will you stand with me as we pray? Father, before Peter caught people in the net of Your Gospel, he caught fish. You spent a lifetime preparing him for ways of service that the man we met in this chapter couldn't begin to imagine. We're confronted with the question, what, what could be next for us? How could You use us if we stopped being afraid, stopped making excuses, and simply said yes to You? And so I pray for my friends here. I pray You grant them boldness to say yes. I pray You grant them wisdom to say yes and maybe this too. And I pray You grant all of us the blessing of seeing what happens as we give ourselves fully to You and Your mission to win this world for Jesus. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.